You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hey, Live Different Podcast listeners, are you ready to put into practice the things that you've heard about on this podcast? I'm talking about going out there and getting out of your comfort zone, expanding your network, your worldviews, expanding your horizons, maybe doing things for the first time like practicing yoga, like climbing a volcano, like going surfing, like not doing any of that and actually taking some time for yourself for once. Look, I'm here to tell you about Under 30 Experiences, the travel company for young people for ages 21 to 35, which I'm the co-founder of. I would love to see you someplace awesome in the world. I'm talking about Bali, Indonesia. I'm talking about Peru and Machu Picchu, the rainforest of Costa Rica, the beaches of Nicaragua, snorkeling in Belize with sharks. I'm talking about experiencing the culture of Mexico and Tulum. How about a volcano in Iceland? How about the beautiful green emerald isle of Ireland? Maybe going up to Scotland with us to experience massive waterfalls. Come to Paris. Hang out at the state we have rented. Look, I don't need to sell you on this stuff. The trips are amazing. I'm on my way to France. Then I'm going to Colombia. Later, I will be in Peru and Costa Rica. Come hang out under30experiences.com. Peace out. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I am your host, Matt Wilson, and today we are here with Tony Butner from Blue Zones. Blue Zones is famous uh, for their book, Lessons for Living Longer, from people who lived the longest by his brother, Dan, a National Geographic explorer. Tony is a world traveler, and we've already had a ton to talk about, including uh, Costa Rica, which is a place near and dear to both of our hearts. And uh, not only are we going to talk about how we can all live longer, but more happy and healthy and uh, optimize our own communities, uh, which includes you know, our workplaces and the places where we uh, shop for food and live and go to school, uh, etc. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. This has been a uh, project that I've known about for years and years, uh, far before I decided to make the move to Costa Rica. Uh, but without further ado, Tony, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing great, Matt. Thank you so much for having me on the call. Yeah, you are. Uh, you're very welcome. Um, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm excited to uh, to hear more. Uh, I also heard uh, heard you guys from Blue Zones on the Bulletproof podcast. I'm actually an ambassador for Bulletproof. Uh, yeah, part of their ambassador team. I love everything that they do, and so uh, I yeah, I have some questions uh, definitely for you about how we can optimize our lives by by creating better environments for ourselves. So uh, I'd love to capture that story. Great. Well, let's get into it. Yeah. So, all right. So your brother was an explorer and, uh, you know, he, it sounds like he was in pursuit for the, the happiest, healthiest places out there. Uh, can you, can you lead us through his journey a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to, uh, I, Butner's, there's four of us. Um, my father uh, was a, a teacher and my mother was a stay at home mom. We're all about a year and a half or two years apart. And we've always been friends. 
Um, so as we were growing up, we had the same group of buddies. We went on little adventures. We sold newspapers. And, and uh, as we started to graduate from high school and college, uh, Dan, who's the oldest, came to us and said, you know, before we start our careers, let's go on one last adventure. And he suggested a bicycle ride. And, th and that sounded good to all of us. Uh, what the problem was, though, is uh, he, he took us uh, all to the uh, Antarctic or to the Arctic Circle, uh, put his back tire in Prudhoe Bay, Alaska, and then bicycled to the southern tip of South America. 15,000 wow. 15, miles, uh, 11 months, and uh, my brother Dan and my brother Steve broke a Guinness Book World Records. Uh, two years later, uh, he was able to get permission to be the first to traverse the Soviet Union uh, unsupervised, and with that, he decided to bicycle from Minneapolis to St. Paul around the 45th parallel, and then two years later, he uh, bicycled through the continent of Africa from Tunisia all the way to Cape Town. So uh, Dan has three Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, Steve has two. My brother, uh, my father, uh, my brother Nick and myself have been part of most or all of those expeditions. So uh, that's how it all got started. Obviously, I, I don't bring those to light to brag about accomplishments, but it really articulates what it did to all of us. It set us all on a path of exploration, learning of how communities are set up, different faiths, different foods, and just that wonderful adrenaline that you get from, from traveling and moving and, and meeting people. Uh, next, what Dan decided to do was to try to solve some of the mysteries of the world. Uh, and one of them was what happened to the Mayan civilization, obviously down in Costa Rica, it's close to, uh, to that area. But what he did is he, he put together leading experts in Mayan culture and he um, got those leaders together, went in and in, embedded himself uh, in Central America. Um, what he ended up doing is, is uplinking with over a million uh, students here and let the students direct the expedition, and, and that caught the eye of National Geographic, which asked him to find the longest-lived populations. Wow. Okay. So can, can you run us through which, uh, which are, what were the discoveries? I know Costa Rica, an area in Greece, uh, I think one in California. Can you run us through which they are? Because I'm sure everybody's wondering that. Absolutely. So to... There's, there's some things we knew from the very beginning. To how, how do we set this up and what do we look for? We know from the Danish twin studies that our longevity is tied to our genes by only 20%. 80% of how long we live is tied to our environments and our lifestyles. So the premise for our team was if we could find the right environments and the right lifestyles that support longevity, we'd be able to kind of create the de facto recipe for longevity. What our approach was, was simply to find demographic clusters within geographically defined areas around the world where people were simply living longer lives. In most cases, to age 100 at 10 times the rate that we do, um, and finding these cultures that once we we studied them, suffered just a fraction of the chronic diseases we do. And uh, after 15 years of research, we found five places we call the blue zones. Um, the first one is the island of our Sardinia, Italy. It is here that you find the longest lived men. They live 
uh, 10 years longer than we do here in America. Uh, in most populations, you see a four to one ratio of centenarian women compared to men. Here on Sardinia, it's one to one. Um, uh, uh, very interesting concept there. We find people that um, are aging parents living close to their kids. And we find that affording a, an additional four to six years of longevity. Uh, we found the grandmother effect there, the kids of these extended families living longer. Um, but what surprised us there was a wine, a wine by the, it's called Caninal wine. And, and we had it tested in Paris and in Athens. And it turns out that it has three times the artery scrubbing compounds called polyphenols. So, and I, I certainly can attest from many Friday nights, it tastes good too. <laughs> uh, the second blue zone we found was on the archipelago of Okinawa. Uh, this is ground zero for longevity. Every community in the world wants what Okinawa uh, has. Uh, the women there live 12 years longer than we do here in America. There's five times as many centenarians. Um, they have the longest disability a free life expectancy in the world. Um, they live seven good years as a population longer than we do here in America. They suffer one-fifth the rate of breast and colon cancer and one-sixth the rate of cardiovascular disease. Uh, what we found there primarily were people eating a plant-based diet, uh, mostly, uh, they have these things called moais, and what they are are simply a committed social network. Uh, at a very young age, you're, you're grouped with five or eight girls or boys from the village, and you actually travel through life together. So you have this built-in committed social network that support each other in good times and bad. Uh, they don't even have a word in their language for for retirement, they, they, they live a very purposeful life. Uh, they have a mission statement that gets them up every morning. And we know from research that is worth seven good years. We found our America's Blue Zone uh, in Loma Linda, California, a very strange place because it's so close to the San Bernardino Freeway in Los Angeles. But it turns out there's a high concentration of seven-day Adventists there. And something called the Adventist Health Study has been tracking this population for about 30 years. It's considered a gold standard epidemiology study. And we were able to get some really good um, data from it. Uh, what we find there are women living eight years longer than their counterparts and men living 11 years longer. This is a population of 25,000 or so. America City with the same stresses, the same challenges that any other city has in the nation, but on average you're living 10 years longer. So again, we start seeing some similar themes uh, showing up. We see a plant-based diet, we see committed social networks, we see um, this downshifting concept. How do you reverse stress and, and take time to focus on friends and family and faith? Um, we know that committed social network uh, in those communities have a, an, an enormous uh, effect. We found our fourth blue zone um, in your hometown down there on the Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica. It is there that the whole population has three times a better chance to live to a healthy age 90. Um, again, we see plant-based diet. Uh, we see a water, a delicious water that is filtered through uh, your coral that's very high in, in magnesium. You see people eating um, uh, similar diets than they have for millennium there. You see um, 
uh, Mesopotamian diets. Um, you see strong family and faith. And then our last blue zone we found in Ikaria, Greece. Uh, this is an island right off the coast of Turkey, population of about 8,000 people. And it's extraordinary there. There's almost no dementia and no chronic disease. The whole population lives eight years longer on average than we do here in America. And what we found there was this wonderfully sarcastic um, a population that aren't mean, but they 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 love to to interact with each other. They have strong faith. We found over 150 herbs and spices there that grow wild, and they use them always. They're they're cooking foods with them. They're infusing drinks and teas. They're infusing honey, um, and again. Um, uh, at the end of it, we, we seem to find the same things happening over and over again. We see people moving naturally, not a sedentary population, and not a population going to the gym or running marathons. Uh, they're nudged into movement about, on average, every 20 minutes. Uh, we see the right outlook. They have uh, strategies to shred stress. They have a profound sense of purpose that they live day to day. They eat wisely, and they are well-connected. Wow. That is a uh, heck of an insight. Those are some Pretty amazing discoveries, I, I have to say, coming from all over the world. Uh, if I can remember correctly, we now all need to remember committed social networks, going to church, going to move, uh, drinking your teas, your polyphenols, your herbs and spices. Uh, it's okay to have your red wine. Uh, Plant-based diet. I mean, there is a lot to be said here, and and a lot to be learned. This is this is really cool. But um, what, what I what I appreciate most, what I'd like to point out, is these are pretty uh, these are pretty attainable things. It seems like uh, these are and, and reversing stress. You said, which I I might have to ask you for some some tips on that, um, but. I think these are pretty attainable. I mean, it seems like these are regular people here in these areas of the world who just happen to have this lifestyle that they really were born into and uh, have found great success as, as cultures. Would, would you say that's correct? I absolutely, I absolutely would. I, I think these are all common sense, right? And I, I can even remember back when I was a kid, come from an Italian family, and on Sunday we'd have a big plate of pasta with the family, and there was always a jug of wine on the table. It wasn't you're pounding the wine, but you were having a sip of wine with a healthy meal with friends. Um, you mentioned religion, and, and we like to talk about it as faith, and this is probably the most surprising thing we found. We talked to 263 centenarians from five different places around the world, and what, uh, what came out of that is that only three did not belong to a faith-based community. And, of course, faith has many, many faces. It's not about religion, but when you start researching it, you find that people that attend a faith-based community and show up at least four times a month and participate live four to 14 years longer than those that don't. We simply don't know why that is. Is it the positive support systems or the, those committed social networks? And you mentioned committed social networks. We really think that that is a foundation of all this, and I'll tell you why. If your three best friends smoke tobacco, 
you have a 160% greater chance of smoking. It is the same for depression. It's the same for loneliness. It's the same for obesity. But imagine if your close social network had positive um, effects. For instance, your three best friends love to go surfing or they love to go on a bike ride or they love to eat a plant-based diet or love to go to yoga. It's contagious and it works through social networks. So um, back to the stress and downshifting, I think that's very important too. I think in today's world where we are stressed, um, with technology, we're always on the go. Uh, there's always something to do. It's hard to find that time to downshift. And what these populations uh, have are these time-honored traditions. So things as simple as this. Um, they go to yoga. They meditate. They go to church. They have dinner with their family. Um, uh, ancestor veneration, remembering, just taking 20 minutes to remember the people that came before you. Or like the Sardinians, they just go to happy hour, but they have these things in place to downshift and reverse stress that causes inflammation, which is associated with most um, chronic diseases. Well, that sounds that sounds amazing. And of course, I you know, I said go to church and I, I rattle it off quickly on the list. And, you know, I say that because most of these places, uh, the majority of the people in these places probably are going to some type of Christian uh, church. And so that's why that's why I said it like that. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily. Well, let me let me ask you this. It, you, you say faith. Do you think, obviously, there's a huge component to it where having a place of worship, right, brings you together with other people, brings you to a committed social network, and uh, there's a lot to be said for that and how that will de-stress and prolong your longevity or those types of things, um, but do you think that it has, uh, how much do you think it has to do with their actual faith and their belief system and their belief uh, in something larger than themselves. I think it's a, I think it plays a part in that. And I think you start, I think you hit on an important concept of that, that uh, committed social network. And let's be frank here. Um, when people go to a faith-based com community, they're not participating in risky behaviors, right? They, right. they are there to downshift, right? To take some time off to, to relax and to think of things bigger than them. They're, they're meeting people. There's these built-in support systems there. Something goes wrong, you have support there. Um, you get some time away maybe from the, from the kids. And, and outside of those uh, unhealthy potlucks they usually have on the weekend, it's typically a pretty healthy atmosphere. No, that, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, you also gave the 21st century example where, you know, say you're living in the United States, if you're listening to this, and you might not go to, to church as often as uh, your parents or your grandparents did, but you, I bet you go to yoga a whole lot often, more often, or, um, you know, and that can be both your built-in social network and nice people who are taking care of themselves that you're surrounding yourself with, and, you know, for some people, there is a faith-based component uh, 
to that, a non-secular thing, of course, um, but, uh, you know, you are then opened up to, to ideas that are greater than yourself. Uh, you know, yoga, they talk, I mean, it means the word union. Uh, so no, that, these are, these are fantastic points. And, uh, I can certainly attest in Costa Rica that I have my surfing buddies and I know that the whole town is shut down on Sunday because that's the day you st spend with your family and don't expect anything to be open, but people are going to be uh, at the beach or in the park or having a little barbecue. Um, and, you know, after work, well, people want to go to the soccer field and play soccer. And guess what? They're doing something good for them, for themselves. Uh, they're not participating. In, you know, they're uh, sure plenty of people go to the bar. And uh, I think we've all heard the joke that, oh, yeah, I'm going to church, but you're really going to the bar. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, maybe be selective and get your polyphenols from your from your red wine. Uh, this is there's been a lot of really solid information. This is uh, this has been excellent so far, Tony. Thank you so much. No, of uh, of course. Um, so can you take us down the path? Okay, so there's uh, the longevity section of it. The you talk about the. Uh, I believe the word was centurions, the people who live to over a hundred. Um, can you then bring, uh, bring us through the happiest places in the world and tell us what some of those things are? You know, I wasn't part of that research team, so I, I'm not the, the best person um, to share that with um, uh, those details with, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's no problem. But the, um, the story continued, of course, right, where uh, National Geographic then ended up, uh, I don't know, maybe funding the trip to go and find the health, the happiest places, but I'm sure those places had, uh, had correlations to, to one another. You think that's safe to say? Yeah, I, I definitely do. Um, what happened after Dan's success with Blue Zones is National Geographic asked him to find the happiest places in the world and, again, try to understand what is driving that, that happiness. And uh, some interesting things came out of that. One is they, they actually can figure out what the, uh, the optimal income from a family of four is to, to thrive. And it's surprisingly about $70,000. In other words, you don't need um, millions of dollars to be happy. Um, the happiest people in America, they socialize at least uh, seven hours a day um, we found extraordinary uh, happiness in in Denmark, where uh, it is a culture that that is very trustworthy and, and live together and support each other's families and so forth. So there's a, f a few highlights of, of what Dan found in, on his book Thrive. No, that that sounds excellent. I, I like that. How the happiest people socialize seven uh, seven or more hours a day and. Uh, yeah, that's, there's definitely something uh, to be said in that regard. I wanted to ask you about your built-in social network, and you, you rattled off a fact um, or a study that said if you and your best friends, like you and your brothers and, uh, and your friends, have a mission statement uh, and work together and have a sense of purpose that 
you you know you'll you're it affects your longevity uh whatever this the statistic actually yeah. was do you and your uh brothers i mean you guys work together so ha, did you pull that directly uh from uh, that study and say we're going to write our mission statement and we're going to tack on those extra seven years to our life no i think we started that uh with good direction from our parents and just kind of organically um trying not to grow up, I guess, <laughs> uh, to find, uh, we found naturally what we were good at and, and what we really liked to do and then tried to figure out, well, what is the best path then for us to find that through our life? And, and when, you, when you start doing research um, around purpose, it, it's very interesting. Um, I, I'll give you an example. The two most dangerous years uh, in, a, in a, an American's life is the year they're born because of infant mortality and disease. Surprisingly, the second most dangerous year of life is the year that you retire. And I, and I ask you and your listeners, now, why is that? Do we retire and then just start uh, getting involved in risky behaviors? And, and of course, the, the answer is no. But what we find is that you have a 30% greater chance of having a heart attack in the year that you, that you retire. And when we were in Okinawa, we noticed that they didn't even have a word for retirement. Instead, you hear them uh, talking over and over again about their icky guy. And when we had that translated, it simply means the reason they get up in the morning. And it makes sense. Uh, people that are active and have a reason to get out of bed in the morning and, and go attack life um, are going to have friends, are going to be active. They're not going to be sedentary. They're going to have support systems that if something goes wrong, that there's, there's people there that look in on you. For instance, those Moais in Okinawa, if, if one person doesn't show up one night for their get-together, the other five or six go find them. So I think there's a lot to be said about that. And, and research just simply shows people that have that mission statement uh, live seven years on average longer than those that don't. And what we do within our community work is we put on purpose workshops that are uh, were developed and and uh, implemented by a gentleman by the name of Richard Leiter, who's really a leader in in purpose. And and what the activity does is it helps people identify the five things that they're really good at, and the five things that they really want to do. And so imagine aligning yourself with that clear understanding and then be able to, to write a mission statement on how you're going to share that with the world, be it through volunteering, be it through finding that right job that, that brings that profound happiness. I think it all makes sense how that, that would uh, be healthy for all of us. No, absolutely. And it sounds like uh, you and your brothers have a strong sense of purpose and a strong mission and, and the camaraderie all built in. I, ev I even heard that you guys have a trampoline and uh, some other fun stuff in your office. Is that true? Yeah, we do. Um, I, I, interesting uh, that over the last 20 years, um, people that are not moving during the day um, have has increased by 20%. So it, 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 
a nine to five job is becoming the new cancer. Um, people sit, they don't move. Um, so as part of our research and our strategies, how we might help work sites around uh, the country is what are those evidence-based strategies that, that work? So things like sit-stand desks. If you're standing at your desk, you burn 200 calories more than you do sitting. If you're taking stretch breaks or if you have a spot, uh, you can call it a meditation room, but a place that you can go quiet, downshift. Um, what we do here in downtown Minneapolis, where, where we're at, is we have a map of where healthy restaurants are and how far how many steps it is to get there. So you kind of nudge yourself into, into working. Uh, Dan has a trampoline, as you said, in his, a small one, uh, in his office that he'll be on the phone and be bouncing. And we have a, we have a uh, standing treadmill desk where we can go take a break and walk. So again, it's these small little nudges, strategies and defaults that uh, we're a strong proponent of that you set up your home, the place you work, your social network and those those restaurants and grocery stores and faith-based communities you go to that can create an environment that subtly nudges you into the healthier choice. And, and having that healthy choice um, uh, makes it the easy choice. Uh, I think that's fantastic advice. And, and uh, Tony, it's gonna be real hard for me not to title the the uh, this podcast nine to five is the new cancer. It's going to be really tough for me not to not to do that. But uh, I'll, we'll we'll see what other gems come out of this. That was a, that was a good one. I I appreciated that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I I had a uh, I had a question. You might not know the answer to this, and that's that's totally fine. It's a little bit ab- abstract, um, but of course. Uh, Everyone has heard about the concept of paleo and returning to our roots and just trying to live life as naturally as possible because we are so disconnected from that. And uh, before we were before we were talking, you uh, you said, "Oh, your Skype picture looks like uh, you're in the jungle." Uh, and I said, "Well, yeah, that's because I spend most of my time there, and uh, I've got a I don't know Skype profile picture with long hair and a waterfall in the background and." And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I how I like to to do things. Um, but you mentioned that people have a very high risk, uh, the the most danger, quote unquote, dangerous years of their life, or the the year that they're born and the year that they retire. Um, and I was curious, you know, a lot of people talk about how much how much longer that we are living now and uh well people live so long and back in the day you know people people say uh we live so long and out long now that's why we get these cancers and this dementia and these diseases and uh you know maybe our bodies just aren't you aren't designed to live this long because now we have all these drugs, etc. Um, but the flip side of that is that it was very dangerous. You know, you were lucky if you lived past two or three in those in those days. And the, so, statistically, yeah, the the average age of a person was much lower. Uh, do you know anything about this? Can you try to uh, straighten me out here a little bit? Is it true that we're just living so much longer now, or is it really statistically? Uh, statistically, we're not living much longer than the person who lived past 
maybe, uh, say, 10 or 12 years old. Uh, do you know anything about that, Tony? Well, let me share a couple things that, that I do know that, that might answer your question in a roundabout way. Medical researchers today pretty much agree that the human body has the capability of living to a healthy age 90. Here in America, on average, we live to age 78. So we're, living, we're leaving 12 good years on the table. And what we've learned through the blue zones, that a long, happy, healthy life can be had by um, living and surrounding yourself with the right uh, environments and the right lifestyle. And what we believe we've done here at Blue Zones have, uh, uh, through our research and our population health strategies, have given people evidence-based strategies to help families, organizations, and even communities live a longer, better life. Um, when you talk about food, there are all kinds of diets. You mentioned paleo. We've done an enormous amount of research around diets, and here's the facts. If we had 100 people start a diet today, we'd lose 10% of those people in three months. We'd lose 90% of those people in seven months. And after two years, we'd only have three people left on that diet. There is not a diet in the history of men that has worked for more than 3% of the population over two years. That's the fact. Um, what we found in the blue zones was when you boil down the 100-year food history of all these five blue zone places, on average, these populations ate 95% was plant-based diets. We think that legumes are our superfood. They're good for you. They're cheap. They're easy to make. Uh, fruits and, and nuts, of course. What we found on average over 100 years of these five blue zones is only 5% of what they consumed was animal protein. Uh, it was typically um, uh, chicken, uh, some fish, um, a little bit of goat. Um, and, and pork. But what was amazing was the average size of that portion was the size of a deck of cards or three ounces. So you're not seeing people eating 20-ounce T-bones or 18-ounce pork chops. Um, and we almost always see them eating this, uh, the, the animal protein, for a celebratory event. So I think there is a lot to be learned from the longest-lived populations and how they eat. Absolutely. And uh, I can attest in Costa Rica, actually, a lot of times uh, our travelers, so Tony, we were talking a little bit before that you were a, a former owner of an adventure travel company, and I'm a, a current owner. And sometimes when we serve our Costa Rican casados, which is the typical plate with your rice and your beans and your salad and your tortilla and your uh, protein, and that can be a fish, uh, pork chop, a chicken, a beef. Um, people come out and they're like, ooh, that's a little bit of a small piece of protein. And uh, I mean, 
this is something that I've done a ton of research on because I used to be very heavy on the protein when I was lifting tons of weights and that causes inflammation. You go look at any bodybuilder and look at the acne on their back or on their faces and uh, that, you know, that's a huge cause, cause of it, not to mention the, the testosterone, of course. Um, but yeah, having some, having a little bit of control also our, our portions, of course, in the United States are, are incredibly large. Um, but you know, people, uh, in Italy, for example, those people sit and they enjoy their food and they do this night after and night after night. Uh, but it's a, it's a process. It's not about wolfing down the, the 20 ounce T-bone. Who are you going to sit and talk and sit and talk to while you're eating a 20 ounce T-bone? I mean, if you're having a nice glass of wine and uh, even a small plate of, of pasta, that's one thing, but who wants to sit next to someone eating a 20 ounce T-bone? I mean, that's crazy. Well, I think the other thing is as using that as an example, how do they get to those places too? You see them walking with their family. They walk, sure. they walk miles. And I think just from where you're at in Costa Rica, a, a very important strategy is this. If you notice when, when people are, are, are cooking there, they pre-plate their food in the kitchen and put the leftovers away and they go eat in another room. So there's, there's not that opportunity to eat family style. Uh, what we find is people eating off of smaller plates or, or having strategies not to overeat. Things like uh, eating breakfast like a king and, and lunch like a prince and, and dinner uh, like a pauper. Um, so I think, again, these time-honored traditions can really teach us um, uh, how to live a healthier, longer life. No, that's, that's fantastic. And, uh, of course, it, it seems like all of those people have uh, a nice place to be outdoors and get their vitamin D and be, be active, uh, et cetera. So, so, Tony, if we are now going to look at our own communities and schools and uh, say places of worship and uh, all, all the places where we spend time where it would be nice to create environments that are going to affect our happiness and our longevity and our overall well-being so maybe we can get from 78 to 90 in a in a solid uh, in a state of well-being rather than a, a state of, uh, in a poor state of health, right? Quality years added on to, to all of our lives. Uh, what, what would you tell people? Well, it's an, it's an interesting question. When uh, Dan finished his, his research and wrote the Blue Zones, uh, we had uh, a couple organizations here in the United States contact us and ask Dan, could you replicate a Blue Zone here in America? And it was an interesting question, but one that certainly excited him. And, and what we ended up doing is going back to National Geographic, and they provided a three-year grant to study community health initiatives around the world and, and see, um, could we do it? Has it been done? We spent three years looking. We literally studied over 1,000 community health initiatives here in America, and not one of them had succeeded. Um, 
they felt good and some people got together, but there was no measurable impact as it relates to a chronic disease or sustaining that disease. Uh, we found one place, uh, it's called North Karelia, Finland. In the early 70s, they had uh, the highest rate of, of, of uh, cardiovascular disease, men and women in their 40s and 50s tipping over with heart attacks. What they ended up doing is addressing environment and lifestyles. And within three years, they dropped heart attack rates in working age men by 85% and have sustained that work for 30 years. Uh, within our studies of population health, we found really the same seven things that caused failure. There wasn't a cohesive brand that, that brought everyone together. They, there was a lack of engagement. They were underfunded. Uh, there was no sustainable access to experts. Or they tried to target behavior change, um, which we all know is, is difficult. The recidivism curve is enormous. There was no accountability uh, or the work was siloed. So what we did is created a life radius approach to tackle population health by first helping people optimize their home to take the timed honored traditions and learnings that we found to change the environment so healthy choices are easy. Something as simple as putting a bowl of fruit in the middle of your kitchen on the counter um, yields 46% more uh, fruit intake? Or how about putting unhealthy foods uh, on a lower shelf and healthy foods uh, uh, at eye level? Uh, things like that. Um, then we looked at where do people play and, and, and shop and, and work and have faith? So how could we change uh, uh, work sites and the restaurants we eat at and the grocery stores where we shop? Uh, the schools at where our kids go and faith-based communities where people study their faith and, and how could we connect things like purpose and walking and moais and volunteering, all those things that uh, drive longevity. So uh, with a grant from AARP, we, we did a pilot project in southern Minnesota community with a population of about 18,000. And after just 13 short months, of intensive, coordinated, inclusive, and systematic uh, changes to environments and social networks and building designs and so forth. We dropped city workers' health care claims by 49%, tobacco usage 17%. We increased foot traffic into the downtown, supporting those areas, getting people walking and moving. We had an 80% increase of people biking and walking. But most importantly, we helped facilitate uh, about 150 volunteers from all sectors of a community that finally and for the first time came together, marching all in the same direction, um, changing their community so healthy choices are easy. And uh, from that well, was born the Blue Zone Projects with our partners at Healthways, and we're currently working in nine states and 31 communities around the country um, to, to uh, incredible uh, population change and, and economic um, uh, impact in these communities. Wow. And, and can you give some more insight into how these places are laid out? So if somebody at home is wondering, well, do, how, how does my community size up? Uh, for example, you know, when I go home to, to visit my dad, you know, 
I can walk into town, which is a nice little, you know, he lives in the, the suburbs, uh, but I can walk into town and I have access to healthy food um, or I can, you know, borrow a bike and I can ride down to the beach. And, uh, you know, those types of things are make a place very valuable. Uh, and, you know, they, they make me happy to go in and visit him. Um, so, you know, the people who live in these types of communities are, you know, in much better shape than someone who, who lives in a, yeah, who does not. So can you tell us what these places look like? Yeah, absolutely. I'll walk you through the 12 sectors we work in. The first and what we think is the most important is the built environment we live in. And so in the 40s, if you, I mean, we've all been there. Uh, people, my dad, you know, telling you, yeah, I used to walk three miles to school uphill both ways against a snowstorm. Uh, people were nudged into moving. They biced, they walked. Um, the, our societies, our cities were not built only for cars. Now, what's happened after World War II is uh, this huge growth of suburbia, moving uh, everyone out away from city centers, and just simply building roads for cars. There is an enormous movement around the United States, not only here, around the world, to make communities more walkable and livable. And one of the strategies around that is what's called a complete streets policy, where cities will build all seats, uh, streets, not only for cars, but for bicyclists and pedestrians, so that we can all share the roads and just subtly nudged into, if you want, you can exercise. And it's those things that you do day after day after day that have great impact. So a blue zone community would look like this. There'd be lots of act, uh, active transportation. Um, you'd have outside dining. Um, you would have um, bike lanes and you'd have connected sidewalks and people would be congregating and moving naturally. You'd have tobacco policies in place that it would make it a little harder and a little more expensive to, to smoke. Um, some communities uh, that we're working in, specifically Manhattan Beach, has simply prohibited the use of tobacco in any part of the city except for your uh, private residence. They just said simply, we don't want to smell secondhand smoke and, and we don't want it in our community. We saw a 30% decrease in tobacco usage just from that policy. Um, food policy. 50% of the calories that the average American consume now is from junk food. So food policies would be, how could we expand food gardens and farmers markets and farm to school? How could we uh, make fruits and vegetables easily accessible and a little cheaper and make it a little harder and more expensive um, to get fast food? There, there's a reason um, a few years ago that, that fast food restaurants were um, mandated to show uh, calories. Uh, it is because people want that. So we have to remember that the restaurants, grocery stores, and convenience stores that we go to will sell us what we want. So it's okay to ask a restaurant, do you have half portions? Or how about a vegetarian or vegan uh, type? Or, or how about smaller portions or to-go boxes? Um, the employers within the communities we work at, um, again, would um, encourage their employees to bike or walk uh, to work or take active transportation and compensate 
on people for that. Uh, the environment within that workplace, policies and benefits would all uh, turn towards healthier behaviors. Things like getting rid of vending machines that only have junk food in them, maybe having healthy options at a very discounted price and unhealthy uh, 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 items at a, a higher price, or simply getting rid of sugar-sweetened beverages. And again, it, it's really up to the organization to decide what works for them. Uh, but these are all evidence-based strategies that work. The restaurants you'd go into um, would encourage you to walk and bike. There'd be a bike rack. Um, you, you would get to the restaurant and it would be very clear on the menu and on the table that uh, there were healthy choices and, uh, and they would be named nicely. So they, you, you'd want to to have them. Uh, the, the waiter would bring a pitcher of water or you'd be told that there's to-go boxes uh, at the very beginning so you're not thinking I got to eat all this all at once. Uh, the grocery stores you'd go to, um, you'd have blue zone parking spots furthest away from the door so that you were encouraged to walk and move naturally. There'd be um, uh, healthy um, um, demonstrations to healthy foods and fruits and vegetables would be front and center. Um, unhealthy breakfast cereal, instead of being at the average uh, height of a, a five-year-old, would be up high. Uh, and healthy foods would all be uh, well-marked. At your faith-based communities, you'd see people uh, on one particular Sunday, um, not uh, obviously some have to take a car, but all the faith-based communities would suggest walk or bike to church today. And you'd see hundreds of people going. You'd see community gardens. And instead of having these unhealthy potlucks or bake sales, it'd be a healthy item. Um, again, small tweaks. You'd see a community putting on purpose workshops and helping people find their purpose and put that work or those gifts together and volunteering. Um, there'd be healthy eating and healthy cooking demonstrations. Uh, there'd be those walking moais and, and, and healthy eating moais. And, and most importantly, there'd be choices. Nothing would be mandated. These be healthy choices and people that would want to participate would participate. But what we're seeing in the 31 communities that are doing this, we're seeing economic impact. We're seeing healthier kids. We're seeing healthier people. We're seeing these co communities align themselves to get grants and awards that attract um, uh, economic vitality and, and employment. You're seeing cities now in America go away from the sprawl of suburbs and all are moving back into the communities where the millennials want to live. They want a place where they can walk and see their friends and, and they want to live in a vibrant, supported area instead of isolated out in the suburbs. Well, I think that uh, that is a heck of a vision for for sustainable development, and uh, I'm I'm glad to hear that you're so passionate about that vision because we need more people talking about these things. We need more people uh, on podcasts, uh, go, you know, going about promoting this message, and even you know, if you're not a blogger or a podcaster or posting this on your, your social media, you know, if we're talking about community, we're talking about going into places, like you said, and asking things such as, do you have a half portion? Or, excuse me, are these eggs organic? Or, you know, hey, uh, whatever the example is, right, we always say that you need to vote with your dollars and go and spend 
your dollars at the places that you want to see more of in the world because you are literally capitalizing those places to be able to uh, to pay their employees and buy their inventory and do whatever else they need to grow and expand to make the world a better place. But without these conversations, without piping up, uh, don't let it be guesswork in your local communities what the people want, you know, go in there and, and ask for it or, or make suggestions or fill out the comment box because I know small businesses have comment boxes and they read them. Those are very important, but don't, you know, the, the small business owners might not know what do my people want. So, so I'd say let, let the people know, wouldn't you, Tony? Absolutely. Don't be afraid. I, I, I people, I, People that own restaurants and businesses. I owned a, I owned a gift shop on the beach in the Caribbean. I had no idea what people wanted, right? So I had a, a book there, and if someone couldn't find someone, I asked them to write it down. And and our job is to is to make sure our customers are happy. People, uh, research shows when you're offered a healthy choice, thirty-seven percent of the time you take that. Uh, don't be afraid to ask your your local grocery store. Um, can you put fresh fruit on the counter instead of all this sugar sweetened gum and candy and crap? I, I think you'll sell more of it. Or can you carry more uh, fresh vegetables or, or fresh fruits? Uh, ask your restaurants, you know, can I have a half portion? I'm not that hungry. Or can I get more vegetables than something unhealthy? Um, in a lot of blue zone restaurants in our communities, the default for a sandwich or a burger is not fries, a compost pile of fries. The default is fruits and vegetables. It comes with it. If you want fries, you can substitute them. But it's just asking and, and, and creating your environments um, where, where healthy choices are easy um, that has the biggest bang for your buck as you go through life. Absolutely, and if you're frequenting places I think it's, it's very important to establish those relationships because there's there it is quite admirable to be the guy who always asks for the salad instead of the fries to substitute and the the management of that restaurant is going to get the point you know if i went to a store every day and they had snickers bars and i asked well do you have any 85% dark chocolate because that's a much healthier choice to the clerk and they said oh no and you know i would say hey, I'd buy that every week if you guys had it. You think you could pass that along to uh, to whoever your buyer is? Absolutely, they're going to start stock- stocking. You know, that's that, they'd be crazy not to. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic point, Tony. Yeah, I appreciate I, that. And, I, you know, I mean, I'd add, again, two things. There's a reason why fast food restaurants now have to show um, their, their nutritional um, information. It's because people got fed up. And, and, and called for it, and it happened. There's a reason why you see vegan and vegetarian restaurants exploding across America, because people want that. There's a reason why um, sugar-sweetened beverages are on the decline and healthy beverages are on the rise, because people are demanding it. And uh, I'm all for continuing that, that, that journey. Uh, absolutely. And, do, Tony, do you have any uh, far-out futuristic uh, ideas of how the world might look. Uh, maybe not, you know, the 
what you described now, that's happening now all across America. That's happening in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Uh, but do you have any uh, predictions for things that we may see in our lifetime, like uh, driverless cars all, you know, all on a grid controlled by Uber that, uh, huh. that, are, that have no fossil fuels being burned? Do you have anything like that up your sleeve? Yeah, not specifically that. I'll let the experts talk about those. But uh, I, I think there's a huge movement and a huge trend happening here. Uh, in America, uh, 68% of us are obese and overweight. Um, it came out last year that for the first time in human history, our kids are projected to live less long lives than us. And I ask you and I ask your leaders or your listeners, is this because we're stupid or is it because we don't love our kids as much as our parents loved us? And the answer to both those are no. Um, the brain is a muscle and muscles fatigue. People are fed up with it. Um, they don't want their kids dying young. They don't want to see their parents suffering a chronic disease that, that is mostly preventable. They just don't know how to do it. And I think companies like Blue Zones and there's just hundreds of other great uh, organizations and people out there that are providing uh, uh, evidence-based guidance to help people take the small steps. And, and once they see results, um, they start moving on it. Uh, I, as I said, when my, when my parents were kids, the, everything was built for cars. The Surgeon General of America came out six months ago and called for every city in America to work towards becoming more walkable. So I'd say things are already moving. And, I, and, and uh, healthcare and what's happening right now is not sustainable, and, and it is moving. So I can't envision what's going to happen in 100 years from now, but I, I do believe people are going to start eating less um, animal protein for many, many different reasons. And there's just an enormous body of research on how uh, eating mostly uh, or uh, solely a plant-based diet, the benefits of it. You hear it over and over again, the people that do it. You know, I had high blood pressure and my cholesterol, and, and now six months later, I'm perfect. It, 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 there's just too much research and fact out there. So I think people are going to start moving towards that, moving more, and, and really coming together and saying enough's enough and, and making some positive changes. Tony, I, I think that's great, and it's uh, re it's really intuitive to, to say just make the small steps. Uh, if you had to leave anybody with some small steps that they can go out, that they can say this is actionable uh, advice, right from the guys at Blue Zones, what would you tell them? couple things. One is real simple, get a dog. You're probably going, why would I do that? You go to the shelter, give a dog a home. It's a ton of, ton of love. And guess what happens when you come home for work? You got to walk that dog. Um, before you eat, do as the Okinawans do. Close your eyes and say, stop eating when I'm 80% full. You don't have to eat the whole plate. If you cut out 20% on every meal, imagine what that would do. Find your sense of purpose and live it. You'll live happy. Look at the social network and the, and the best friends you're hanging out with. Um, are they supporting healthy habits? Are they, are they furthering your life? Find some faith, whatever that is. Explore a new one. Um, put your family first. Um, you know, so 
support your aging parents, your wife, take care of your kids, and move naturally. And, and what I would say to your listeners is whatever you choose to do, make sure it's something that you do mindlessly ever, every day because that is where you're going to get the biggest buck. And if you want to learn more, you can go to our website at bluezones.com. There's a free longevity calculator, a free a true happiness test. There's social media blogs, recipes, and information about the work we do. I like it, Tony. Uh, go out there and take a accountability for, for your friends. And if you don't like them, go out and get a dog and start walking that thing. That's what it sounds like to me. Very, very good. Excellent. Excellent. Yo, Live Different Podcast listeners, you know what to do. You love the episode. If you listened this far, go to iTunes. Show us some love. Please, that's all we ask, a little five-star review. Just a little review. That's all we need. Send it to a friend who needs to get their ass in gear. We're trying to do good work here, and we need your help. Hey, you know what? Special offer. Send me an email personally. I will write back, matt at under30experiences.com. I want to know your feedback, and then I want to meet you in person. Maybe our yoga retreat, maybe our fitness retreat, who knows? Check out under30experiences.com. Go do something awesome with your life.